are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always wonderful, and might I add, handsome host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist, and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, we got a whole bunch of that I want to talk about today. For segment number one, I want to talk about should the D-backs go out and sign Jackie Bradley Jr.? We got uh, a couple outfielders out now for the D-backs, so we're going to talk about that. Segment number two today, we're going to discuss who is the best rotation in the NL West. I saw this article on MLB.com, and I thought it was pretty interesting. So I want to give my thoughts on who I think the best rotation in the NL West is. We're going to go ahead and rank them. And then finally, to wrap it up, we're going to talk about spring training. Just give an update after yesterday's game. I know they played a game as well today. Got their first one of the season today. We're going to talk about that one tomorrow. I want to talk about yesterday's game with Caleb Smith uh, starting on the mound yesterday. So we're going to hit all three of those topics today. But first... If your company is interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want to reach men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are the most reasonable around. Email me at lockedondiamondbacks@gmail.com to find out more. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account at LockedOnDiamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Now let's jump right into this discussion. Jump right into the discussion. And let's talk about that Jackie Bradley signing that I mentioned because if you guys didn't hear, Cole Calhoun tore his meniscus yesterday. We talked it, uh, We talked about it on yesterday's pod. So Cole Calhoun is going to be out about four to six weeks. So he probably most likely will miss the start of the regular season. Probably will miss opening day. But guys, remember, 162 games in the baseball season. If he misses the first 10 games of the year, he still plays 152 games. It's still going to be a full season out of Cole Calhoun. So I'm not really too worried about his injury. But you never know. Maybe an injury could linger. Maybe he has some other issues that stem from it. That's not what I want to happen. But you just never know with these kind of things. But a torn meniscus is not the worst thing of the world. If it was a torn ACL, maybe he'd be out, you know, months, probably miss the whole season. But a torn meniscus, he should still be back in time. But let's just say, you know, the recovery process is longer than we thought or there's some complications. And now we also know Tim LaCastro tested positive for COVID-19 today. So he's going to be out as well for at least, what, 10 days, two weeks. So D-backs are now down two outfielders. And yes, both of them might be back pretty soon. But still, we know the D-backs still have a hole in center field. And now with two outfielders out, I think this gives the D-backs the perfect excuse to go out there and make a move. And what move do I think they should make? 
Go sign Jackie Bradley Jr. I've been hammering it on this podcast. I don't understand why he's a free agent. Yes, some of his 2020 numbers, they think they're a little misleading, but I don't care if you think numbers can be misleading based on the advanced stats. Sometimes I just care about what the traditional numbers tell me. And the counting numbers, the traditional uh, numbers tell me Jackie Bradley Jr. was a pretty good outfielder for the Red Sox in 2020. He was one of their best players in 2020, and he batted 283, had an 814 OPS, seven home runs, five stolen bases. All those numbers would be among the league leaders on this team. So I guess among team leaders, I should say, on the D-backs last season. And Jackie Bradley, he... He's never been known as an offensive kind of guy. He's kind of like a Nick Ahmed most years. But last year, he had a pretty good breakout season uh, with the Red Sox. He's been pretty good in the past. He even has one all-star appearance under his belt. But he has shown some upside and flash with his offense. But he's more closer to league average. He's probably slightly above league average. Slightly better than Nick Ahmed when it comes to offense. I think he has more pop than Nick Ahmed because he's a 20 home run kind of guy. Maybe 10 stolen bases. But also, why I compare him to Nick Ahmed is because of his defense, and he's been one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball the last few years with the Red Sox. 33-plus defensive runs saved in center field is tied for fifth in the majors since 2015, so this guy is a defensive stud, and go watch his highlight reel if you haven't, because... I honestly think Jackie Bradley Jr. has the best defensive highlight reel in all of baseball. Seriously, there will be nights when I'm just sitting alone in my apartment because I don't really have a life working for women's basketball. You know, I'm working around athletes. I try not to do much of anything because I don't want to ever expose myself to coronavirus or bring that around the team so i really don't do much most of the time i'm just sitting at home playing fortnite with my friends and there are some late nights you know it's kind of sad but it'll be a friday night i'm chilling maybe i'm drinking a beer and i'm turning on jackie bradley jr highlights because they are absolutely bonkers this guy is a menace in the outfield he has crazy athleticism crazy athleticism out there he can make the full you know dive where he's going the superman dive pretty much full extension full layout and there's even plays where you can see him in camden yards climbing the fence climbing the wall robbing home runs so this guy you're not going to get his highlights watching him offensively, but defensively, this guy's one of the most fun guys to watch in the outfield and just playing defense in general. We know guys like Kevin Kiermeyer and Mookie Betts are up there too, but Jackie Bradley Jr. is on my short list of best defensive players in baseball to watch. And there's more than just the offense and defense that he can provide for the D-backs. He also has that championship pedigree, which is a little overrated and a little cliche, but he has been to the World Series and won a World Series, so he kind of knows what a World Series team looks like, or at least can bring the attitude of a World Series champion and maybe help jumpstart that culture for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and we, knows he, we know he has ties to Mike Hazen because Mike Hazen took over, I think, player development for the Red Sox in 2011, the same year Jackie Bradley Jr. was drafted by the Boston Red Sox. So Mike Hazen was directly involved in bringing Jackie Bradley Jr. to the Red Sox. And now they can reunite. Mike Hazen can bring Jackie Bradley Jr. to the Arizona Dimebacks. But the biggest question is, what kind of deal is Jackie Bradley Jr. looking for? Is that the reason he's still a free agent? Because I think Jackie Bradley Jr. does want a decent contract. I'm just going to call him JBJ. I think JBJ does want a decent contract. And we know 
The D-backs are a team that does not want to hand out fat contracts. We know they're a team that does not want to really pay their dues. It's one of the reasons that Starling Marte was traded uh, last MLB trade deadline because the Arizona Dimebacks just simply did not want to pay Starling Marte. I thought he would have been worth the money. He wouldn't have even paid. He wouldn't have even made that much money. Twelve and a half million dollars Starling Marte was expected to make with the club option. Twelve point five million. So he's not breaking the bank. That's still less than Madison Bumgarner. And Bumgarner was not good for the D-back. So starting Marte, who was probably the best D-back last season, only making $12.5 million, I think would have been a steal. But for Jackie Bradley Jr., he made $11 million last year. So he probably wants something close to that. But if the D-backs could get Jackie Bradley Jr. for a two-year a $16 million a year deal, maybe three years, 24, something in that $8 million annually salary range. I think that would be perfect for a guy like Jackie Bradley. He's got the connection to Mike Hazen. He showed an offensive burst last season, an offensive breakout kind of season. He was, he, he's been a spectacular defensive player in baseball for the last few years, and he has that championship pedigree which every team is looking for. He has the positive attitude, and he just makes plays out there in the outfield. So I wish the D-backs would go out there and sign him. We know the D-backs don't want to spend money, but Jackie Bradley Jr. is a guy who I don't think will break the bank and is a guy who I think can be slotted into that center field position and help the D-backs out both on the base pass with the home run department and can definitely save you some runs in the outfield defensively. Now we'll get into who has the best rotation in the NL West. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar because Built Bar is back, more improved, and more delicious than ever before. You have 18 amazing flavors, but six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're both soft and easy to chew. Now the reason why I love Built Bars is because I'm a health-conscious guy. I try to go to the gym when I can, but I have a sweet tooth and Built Bar tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar. That's low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now, they reset their promo code for this relaunch. If you use promo code LOCKEDON20, you can get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. We're covering everything you need to know about the D-backs, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Braskowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into it. And I said we're going to be discussing who has the best rotation in the NL West. And to do this, I think it's the easiest thing to do. I think the easiest way to rank these uh, five rotations in the NL West is to first put them into tiers because I think there's pretty clear and succinct tiers when you're looking at the NL West when it comes to their rotations. I think it's pretty defined. I see three tiers when I'm looking at the NL West. Tier 1, Dodgers and Padres, of course. 
Tier two, D-backs and Rockies. And then tier three is the San Francisco Giants. So now that we've established the tiers, let's rank the teams within the tiers. And then that will give us the overall rankings of who the best five rotations are in uh, the NL West. And let's first start with that tier three the San Francisco Giants. We know they have the worst rotation in the NOS, but why do they have the best, uh, the worst rotation, not the best? Why do the Giants have the worst rotation in the NOS? Well, they just don't have a lot of talent in their rotation. I like Kevin Gosman. They're bringing him back on a one-year deal. He was pretty much on a prove-it deal with the Giants last offseason, and he lived up to, I guess, whatever expectations he might have had. He probably blew expectations off the door, had a 3.62 ERA, uh, double-digit strikeouts per nine. He was really strong for the Giants last season. Had him a few times on my fantasy team, picking him up and dropping him. Pretty solid. I, he was a great spot starter for me in fantasy, so I was pretty happy to have him. But that rest of that Giants rotation, it just flat-out boo-boo. Johnny Cueto used to be one of my favorite pitchers in his prime. I thought he was a real stud, a real ace. I don't know if he's going into the Hall of Fame, but I think he should maybe be on the ballot someday. I thought he was that good, even though the you know he might not have the All-Star and some of the Cy Young. Cy Young to back it up, the Cy Young votes and all-star appearances to back it up. I think Cueto was an absolute stud in his prime. But last season, 2020, 5.4 ERA, it was not the same Johnny Cueto we're used to. And the Giants, they picked up some new players to possibly join their rotation. Anthony Del Scalfani, uh, Alex Wood, and Aaron Sanchez. And those three guys, Del Scalfani and Alex Wood, they were not good at all in 2020. A 7.22 ERA for Descalfani and a 6.39 ERA for Alex Wood. Now, the thing is, both of them were hurt, so they didn't get to have a full season in 2020. Even in the shortened season, they still were hurt, but they were not very effective when they did pitch. And then Aaron Sanchez missed the entire 2020 season. And the other dude that they might have in their rotation is Luke Webb, he's still young, about 24 years old, but he wasn't particularly effective either for the Giants last season. Maybe he'll, you know, start to discover himself and put together a nice campaign in 2021, but he didn't look ready for primetime last season. So their rotation, I like Kevin Gosman as their ace, but their next four starters might be the worst in all of baseball. Now let's move to that tier two. And as I mentioned, it's D-backs versus Rockies. And I don't know if you're surprised to hear the D-backs rotation is as good in my eyes as the Rockies rotation or vice versa. But we know the D-backs have a true ace in Zach Gallen. I think he's the best pitcher among these two teams. Zach Gallen was an absolute stud last year. He's been a stud to start his career. I don't have to go into the Zach Gallen numbers. We know what he can do. But the thing, the case for the Colorado Rockies is... They had three of the top 10 starters in innings pitched last year. Jermaine Marquez was number one. Antonio Cinzantella, I know I should probably struggle to say that, was number five. And then Kyle Freeland was number 10. And that was a big issue for the D-backs last season. Bumgarner and Luke Weaver did not go deep into games. Bumgarner had a couple starts where he finished, you know, six innings. And Luke Weaver had no starts where he went at least six innings. Luke Weaver had a couple starts where he pitched into the sixth inning, but he never even finished six innings at all all season last year. So that was a big uh, difference between the D-backs and the Colorado, Colorado Rockies rotation. At least their pitchers go deep into ball games and I'm looking at Madison Bumgarner's game log again. 
He actually didn't even finish six innings at all last season. So both him and Matt and uh, Luke Weaver, both Bumgarner and Luke Weaver, never even had a start last season where they finished six innings. And the Rockies have three of the top 10 pitchers in innings pitch last season. And yes, it was only a shortened season, but that matters. You project that out over a full season. And that's, you know, that matters if you have three dudes that could go 180 to 210 innings pitch because then that's just less wear and tear on your bullpen. So I like Zach Gallon the most of any of these pitchers. But after Zach Gallon, I'm not too sure. I think Merrill Kelly could be the second best, but he's coming off that thoracic outlet surgery. And I definitely like Merrill Kelly a lot. I think he could, as I just said, could be the second best pitcher among this group. I think he was the second best pitcher when healthy last season. But right now, Zach Allen's the best pitcher. And then I might take the three starters for the Colorado Rockies after that. And their former number one starter, John Gray, is now their number four starter. So even though he didn't have a good season last year, that's still pretty good depth for the Rockies. But I'll say this. I think the D-backs rotation has more upside than the Rockies rotation if Luke Weaver can bounce back to form. If Merrill Kelly has a comeback season and is basically the 2020 version of Merrill Kelly. And then who knows what Madison Bumgarner has left in the tank. So I think spearheaded by Zach Allen, the D-backs have a higher upside than the Rockies. But I think the Rockies floor is so much higher. They have a much more reliable rotation when you have those guys that could eat innings. And let's face it, their top three pitchers were better than the D-backs top three pitchers last season. So I think we have to rank the D-backs the fourth best rotation in the NL West and the Rockies the third best rotation in the NL West. But Now, that just leaves us with two teams in the NL West, and these two teams made some major moves in their rotation this offseason. The Padres went out there. They signed, uh, they didn't sign anyone, but they traded for Hugh Darvish, and they traded for Blake Snell while, and they also traded, I almost forgot, Joe Musgrove. So they traded for three starters in their rotation while the Dodgers signed the reigning NL Cy Young Award winner. So, It's tough to say, but if you just go down the line, let's look at the Dodgers rotation. Kershaw, Bueller, Bauer is a pretty nasty trio. I think David Price is going to be slotted into that fourth spot just because of the money. Then Julio Urias is your fifth spot. And then still, still got Dustin May and Gonsolin as your long relief pitchers who were dynamite last year. So the the Dodgers are legitimately seven pitchers deep when it comes to their rotation. And when you juxtapose that with the Padres, they also have a very deep rotation. Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, Lament, we can't forgive, uh, forget who was a Cy Young candidate last year. And then Chris Paddock was the only dude with the ERA above four last year in that rotation. But in 2019, he had an ERA in like the mid three. So both of those rotations are nasty. But which one do I like a little bit more? I think I'm going to have to lean toward the Dodgers just because I think Trevor Bauer, if he can replicate what he did in 2020, I think he might be the best pitcher among everyone I just mentioned based off what he did in 2020. Now, that could be an outlier year for him, but I think Walker Bueller's still pretty good. Of course, Darvish and Blake Snell are a dynamite as well, and I think it's so close, but I think the trio of Kershaw, Bueller, and Bauer just has a little bit more star power than the trio of Darvish, Snell, and Lamette. But honestly, it's so close. And then your fourth starter, I probably would take a Musgrove over a David Price at this point of their career. But your five 
through sit your your five, six, seven starters with Urias, Gonsolin, Dustin May are better than Paddock and whoever else the Padres have as their long relief starters. So the Dodgers have a little bit more depth than the Padres. I think they have a little, a little bit more star power as well. But it's honestly so close between those two teams. I'm gonna give it to the Dodgers just by a hair. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if by the end of the season the, we uh, considered the Padres as the better rotation among the two teams. Now we'll get into some spring training talk, but first. I want to talk to you guys about Bet Online because Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real time updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into it and let's discuss. Some notes I had from spring training because the D-backs played the Padres yesterday. It took a tough loss to the Padres. They're probably going to take a few of those this year. So I guess it's better to come early and they could get it over with. But they lost 7-2 yesterday to the Padres. Fernando Tatis absolutely crushed the D-backs last, uh, yesterday with four RBIs. He's slugging 12-50 this spring training. But what I really want to talk about from that a game yesterday is Caleb Smith because Caleb Smith struggled in yesterday's game and he's a guy who's fighting for that number fifth spot in the rotation so I'm gonna be keeping a keen eye on all these dudes fighting for the fifth spot in the rotation and yesterday it was not a good outing for Caleb Smith now my philosophy when it comes to spring training I don't necessarily care too much about the veterans on the team, the dudes who have their spots locked in when it comes to offense, like Ketel Marte, a Cole Calhoun, I'm David Peralta. I'm not worried about those guys' numbers at all in spring training. I care more about the young guys who are trying to make the roster or prove themselves. A Dalton Varsho, a Trace Thompson, uh, anyone else you you know who's on the bubble. Those guys I care about with their performance in spring training. And then when it comes to pitchers, the same thing. Zach Allen, I'm not going to worry about. Maybe a Madison Bumgarner, but a Zach Allen, I'm not going to worry about. But the dudes who are fighting for rotation spots, like a Caleb Smith, or dudes who are fighting for bullpen spots, like a a Riley Smith or something like that, I'm going to care. So for Caleb Smith, I care about what he does so far in spring training because it's going to determine whether he's going to be the number fifth uh, the number five starter in the rotation or not. And right now, it seems like he's the front runner for the number five starter in the D-backs rotation, but he didn't do himself any favors yesterday because he went two innings, six earned runs, four hits, and gave up one home run. And all of that pretty much came in the second inning because he gave up five earned runs in the second inning, including a grand slam to Fernando Tatis. That's how he got his four innings, or excuse me, that's how he got his four RBIs. And the saddest part about the start yesterday is we know right now if pitchers hit twenty, uh, if the if pitchers hit twenty pitches, 
during the inning, then we know the inning can roll over. You can pretty much stop the inning. Caleb Smith gave up five earned runs before he even got to 20 pitches. So he couldn't even get himself out the inning if he wanted to. He would have had to skip a couple pa- uh, skip a couple pitches in there into the dirt to just get out of there, get some full counts. But he couldn't do that, and he gave up the runs pretty quickly in the second inning. But after Caleb Smith came out the game, the the D-backs pitching was pretty solid. The bullpen went uh, what is this? The bullpen went six innings and only gave up one earned run after Caleb Smith came out. Alex Young went two innings and gave up no earned runs, one strikeout, no walks. Kevin Ginkle is the guy who I'm watching heavily, and he went one inning, one walk, one strikeout. And Kevin Ginkle, he's the guy who, entering the 2020 season, I was very high on. I thought he could definitely be the closer of the future for the D-backs, and I still think that. I still think Kevin Ginkle could be the closer of the future for the D-backs, but the 2020 season wasn't, uh, you know, didn't give me a lot of confidence in that statement, and I'm hoping in 2021, you know, we could just chalk up last year to being a weird year, an outlier year, just the COVID year. You could put an asterisk if you want on it, and hoping Kevin Ginkle bounces back in 2021 because he's going to be an important part of that D-backs uh, bullpen. They're going to need him to step up to the plate because they have Joaquin Soria, they have Tyler Clippard in the back end of the bullpen, but they're both older. They're both in their mid to upper 30s, and they don't really have a lot of young arms in the bullpen. Uh, the D-backs do. They they don't have a lot of young arms. They have Riley Smith back there. I guess Stefan Crichton is not that old of a guy. I guess he's still got some life to him. Stefan Crichton is only 29 years old, so it's not like he's you know old at all, but Kevin Ginkle is still one of the younger dudes in that bullpen, still only 26 years old, so he still has a lot of upside in him, and I just want to see the dude succeed. I think he has great stuff. I think he has really solid potential, but you wouldn't know that from seeing his 2020 season where he just wasn't anything I would have expected. He just didn't have a lot of confidence on the mound, and I didn't have a lot of confidence in him when he was on the mound. He gave up a lot of earned runs. He had the chance to be the closer after the Archie Bradley trade, and he couldn't put a stranglehold on the closer position. So Tori Lovello elected to go with Stefan Cryan, and Cryan proved to be the better pitcher. So I'm fine with Cryan getting the first look at the closer position in 2021, but if Cryan starts to struggle... Maybe we see Toy Lovello. I'd like to give Kevin Ginkle another opportunity. I don't think it'll probably come before Joaquin Soria or Tyler Clippard, but I would love to see Kevin Ginkle get at least one more opportunity to be the closer for the D-backs. Not sure if he'll you know, ever actually live up to the expectation that I have for him, but his 2019 season was really good, and if he could get back to being that guy that we saw in 2019, like a lot of these uh players on the D-backs team, both in the lineup, in the rotation, in the bullpen. We need a lot of dudes to get back to their 2019 form for the D-backs have a chance to compete this season. But if Kevin Ginkle gets back to uh, his 2019 form, I'll be a happy camper because I'm a pretty big Kevin Ginkle fan. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. And remember, fantasy baseball addicts, you now have a new resource to help give you an advantage in your leagues. Locked on Fantasy Baseball. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast 
hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cullen, who uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Season-long fantasy, Dynasty Leagues, DFS, Locked On Fantasy Baseball covers it all. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you to all who tuned in to today's podcast. And remember to come back tomorrow because we're planning to have Zach Buchanan of The Athletic on for Talk To Me Thursdays. And I'll talk to you guys later. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!